that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Things are crazy, and we're glad you're here. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means from Cleveland.com. There is still an Ohio State football season as we speak at 8.30 Monday night. There were times on Monday when we weren't sure that would still be the case, but that is what we are going to discuss on this Buckeye Talk. It has been a busy day on the tech subscriptions. Probably eight or so texts going out through the course of the day. We broke some news on the tech subscriptions on Monday. Great interaction, and we asked our tech subscribers, what do you want to know now? So I think you guys have a pretty good idea. Man, Stephen and Nathan, is there anybody who is listening to this right now, 45 seconds into this podcast, like, they don't know what went on on Monday. We don't need to do, like, a full recap, right? Is there someone like, oh, I wonder what this football podcast is. Perhaps I'll try it today. You know, unless you are an Ohio State fan who is, like, um, who also is a reporter reporting on the White House where, like, the Secret Service came in and whispered something to Donald Trump, and he, like, ran out of the room really quick today. And right mm-hmm. as all this other stuff was happening, so then causing, like, another – Twitter scare that surpassed even the is football being cancered scare for a moment. Turns out it was not a national emergency. Um, then yes, I think everybody probably is up to speed. But even then, he tweeted about it, so they would know too. That's so. true. That's, that's true. Yeah, Tr- that's if Trump, true. President <laughs> Trump, if you point. are listening, <laughs> President Trump knows what's going on. He doesn't yeah. need a recap for us. He's on top of what's up. Um, I think perhaps if you're in Belarus, I think there was a controversial rigged election in Belarus and people are protesting in the streets. We know there are Ohio State fans and Buckeye Talk listeners all over the country. So anyone in Belarus, if you're not up to speed because your country is, a, has, is having a democratic crisis, we apologize for that. So let's dive right in. From the 937, what chance would you give Ohio State to go play in the SEC, ACC, or Big 12 if they still play but the Big 10 cancels? Stephen, we'll start with you on this. Ryan Day mentioned it, cracked the door, I think, strategically on an, in an ESPN interview at 5.30 Monday evening. Do you think that is at all realistic that if the Big Ten cancels, Ohio State would still try to play? No. I'll give it 2% just because it's 2020 and weird things keep happening. But, no, and Scott Frost hinted at it, too, in a video on Twitter. That's not what's going to happen here. That's – so many extra steps that would have to happen for uh, any team in the Big Ten or any team in any conference and just switch conferences for a year just for the simple fact that my, the rest of my conference doesn't want to play, but I want to play. Even though Ohio State is probably best suited for it because, as we've all said, from a football standpoint, they're an SEC school. Nathan, do to you me, think it's a real thing or, or bluster? I think it's mostly bluster. I think it is more um, – uh, positioning or I guess the way I read it is more a message to send to the rest of the big 10, which is, you know, I think they've tried to speak in a very unified voice throughout this whole process. But I think one of the things that you can kind of glean from the way the last 12, if not 24, 36, 48 hours have gone is that the big 10 is not very unified right now on what's going on as it relates to football and, and coronavirus. And I think it's maybe a message to send that, um, that, they are not going to if, – if, if Ohio State feels like it's safe for them to play football games, to, to bring their football players together and let them play football, and frankly, I'm still skeptical that that's going to happen. But if Ohio State thinks that it is, 
then they're going to move forward with that. And they don't feel like they should have to, to let other big 10 programs that maybe don't have the same system set up and aren't, haven't given themselves the same chance to play dictate what their season is going to be. Um, now, do I think there's a lot of other factors that would go against that? such as Ohio State's longstanding ties with the Big Ten and not wanting to create some kind of long rift, such as where does Ohio State really fit into some other conference all of a sudden out of the blue? I mean, I think there's a lot of things why it seems like it would not be a, a, a feasible option. But I think it's it's something that Ohio State and, and Nebraska and other schools are saying, like they're not necessarily going to let preemptive fear on August 10th decide what they do between now and still trying to play football this fall. I don't think the rest of the Big Ten would love to see Ohio State do that. We've talked about today the idea of, and I think there's a difference, a little bit at least, would Ohio State like join a conference or just try to patch together some kind of independent schedule? And for instance, the Mountain West, if people haven't heard this, the Mountain West on Monday evening became the second FBS conference to cancel. BYU, which is an independent, lost eight games because they mostly play Mountain West teams. So that's like another independent. Notre Dame has gone from has gone into a conference for this year as an independent. BYU is looking for eight opponents now. The idea of Ohio State being independent rather than like going with the conference and trying to patch together, hey, the ACC, you know, they're looking for some non-conference games here and there. Let's add that. I think that makes more sense, but I think it's much more dif- difficult logistically. But I don't know that I would want, if I were the Big Ten, I'm not sure I would want Ohio State sniffing around independence and trying to see how that feels, stretching their legs on, oh, like, I just got out of this long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. I was with this conference for like 110 years, and I'm not really looking to get serious, but I'm kind of just, you know, exploring a little bit, just trying to, like, f- check my independence and just, you know, be independent for a while. And you know what? That, I, that might feel great. So if I were the Big Ten – I think it's something Ryan Day says. Now, do you think there's a difference between Ryan Day saying it and Scott Frost saying it? The Big Ten being yes. – the Ohio State being in the Big Ten yeah. forever and Nebraska being in the Big Ten for eight years or whatever it's been. I do think there's a difference because I think Nebraska is still a relative newcomer to the Big Ten. It does not have historic ties that date back 100 years to when this – conference had different names it's a conference it's a it's a school that frankly probably in a lot of its fans eyes still has more ties to the big 12 in some ways than it does the big 10 so I, I did think it was different and also just beyond that there's the standing of what Ohio State is just as an institution and in terms of football right now compared to what Nebraska is I think that's another reason why it was a, a different thing so that changed I, I had a different when Scott Frost said it I had a a, a different perspective than after Ryan Day said it it made me think kind of twice about how realistic – realistic maybe not isn't the right word, but, but why it was being said and what could come of it now that it's being said. Which, so which uh, one do you think is more realistic, that Nebraska would try it or that Ohio State would try it? I don't know that either one is especially realistic okay. as far as being able to pull it off. Okay, but Steven. Just simply trying it, maybe I think Ohio State is more realistic. It's because we all know from a football standpoint, the Big Ten needs Ohio State more than Ohio State needs the Big Ten. And – it kind of goes without saying, but once you start saying it and start showing and actually putting action and legs towards it, that's a whole different conversation that you start having. So as far as trying it, Ohio state would probably 
be in a better position to try it, but it's not realistic for either team to do it. I think, I think we think that because we look at the world through and we look at the Big Ten through a football lens primarily. I don't think university presidents feel that way, though. I don't think they're going to look at this and say, well, we're more or even Ohio State's administration will say, well, we the big we're more important to the Big Ten than the Big Ten is to us. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I hesitate to think that they'll be quite that flipping about it even if it's correct from a football standpoint well for looking at from a, i mean look at notre dame they're independent football wise but they're in a conference with other sports so they've kind of separated that one but they weren't in the conference else. to begin with that's the that's the difference that's, that's they don't fair. have they didn't have decades and decades and decades and generations of ties to the big 10 i think it's much more likely nebraska does it because they don't have the, lo- the long-standing ties to the big 10 i think the big 10 would like kind of really ask ohio state not to do it and if nebraska's like nebraska's the new kid I mean, Rutgers is the new kid. Nebraska was the new kid, and everybody was picking on the new kid. And then Rutgers moved in, and they were like, oh, let's go pick on that guy. And Rutgers was like, and Nebraska was like, oh, thank goodness Rutgers moved in. We remember that Nebraska still new. I think Nebraska, again, Nebraska, because it's not as connected, could, could go try it. And I don't think the Big Ten would care quite as much. So I don't know that, any, that either is realistic. I don't know that either is impossible. I'm not going to – after today, and I want to get into this, sort of how the day progressed – after today, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be declarative and say, "Oh, no way would that happen," because there were some right. people who who mm-hmm. landed some no ways that would happen today that didn't stick, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to break my ankle on the landing. What and are- I, for for people who are listening to this Tuesday morning, there should be already a piece up on Cleveland.com where we kind of do an analysis of this very question and break down some more topics of it. From the 312, what are you guys going to do without a season? Legit question. If there's not a season. And I think, I mean, over the course of this, I can't remember what we talked about. To me, there's a huge distinction between no college football at all and, and the Big Ten stopping, but other conferences going on, right? So we were talking today in a staff meeting, you know, what if, what if there's no Ohio State football, but there is Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma and Texas and Clemson football. What are we going to do? Are we going to try to do anything? The draft is in Cleveland in 2021. We have extra interest in other draft prospects. But our boss has said, I mean, it actually would free up to sort of do the things you've always wanted to do and you never have time to do. Um, not to be, not to be, this is not what it's all about at all. But I have this, as people who listen know, like I, I have a book contract and I haven't done one thing yet. And I'm kind of like, man. <laughs> No football season kind of really helped me do the book. So like, I'm okay either way. Steven, what, what, what's your life going to be like if for some reason Ohio State doesn't play? Well, a lot of recruiting stuff. We'll just dive right into that stuff. But to the, to the idea of maybe Ohio State's not playing but other conferences are, then we can spend a lot of time, you know, where would Ohio State be at if they were having a season and comparing it to, you know, what Clemson is doing or what Alabama is doing or what Georgia is doing. We could always take that approach because I know fans will eat that up. But, yeah. A lot of recruiting stuff. Recruiting doesn't stop. Now, some of these recruits might not be playing football. Like Jack Sawyer and Jaden Ballard are scheduled to play each other on the 30th. We'll see if that game actually happens. But it's not gonna, these co- coaches aren't going to stop calling these kids just because there's no football season. In fact, they'll probably keep at the same level they do in the offseason where it's all about recruiting. Nathan Baird, well, I, you would be required to hypothetically vote Ohio State into your poll every week. 
Yep. <laughs> if there is a poll, I mean, I, I don't know. I think we were still a long way. I'm supposed to, my, my votes are due today. I actually emailed Ralph Russo earlier today from the AP, uh, making sure that they still wanted those when it looked like there was going to be no season. And now I'm sure he definitely wants those. So I need to uh, remember to turn those in when we're done here. Um, you know, I, I actually, I closed on a sale of uh, the purchase of my house this morning. I mean, I've got other things going on. I'm going to be plenty busy whether Ohio State's playing football or not. I'm hopefully buying a grill and we're planting a late garden and stuff. So um, I'll have some stuff to do. But I think, you know, it's fascinating. Stephen brings up recruiting, and I think that's that, – when, when things are about to be canceled this morning and we thought they are about to be canceled, that was actually – I had some conversations with some people because it's, it kind of fascinates me what, what happens with recruiting, if especially if Big Ten were like, if Big Ten cancels football, even just for this fall, and the SEC keeps playing, and the ACC keeps playing, and the and the pack and whoever keeps playing, and um and some of the so some of those schools that Ohio State was recruiting against for some of these recruits, I I don't know how that how how high school players see that and what what they think of that and if they make some second guesses because of of that. All right, I I, we'll, we'll get into that later. Let's move along. Yeah, okay. We have another entry point to that discussion because I do think okay. it's an interesting discussion. We'll get into it in a, little, in a moment. From the 216, if the Big Ten cancels, if the Big Ten cancels and other leagues play, can players transfer? Mac, a Mac player is in the portal today, I saw a report. Um, and everyone was sort of expecting the Mac to potentially be raided when the Mac canceled. My, my understanding is that, yes, I, I, I was trying to look it up specifically a little bit more. Does anybody have a better get a better answer at the moment than I think yes, and I think we might see some Big Ten players in search of a season leave and have immediate eligibility? Well, it would have to be based on the parameters right now because the, the NCAA did not approve the immediate eligibility yet. That was going to come up again in January, and I don't know if they postponed that specifically thinking about this potential scenario um perhaps they did and perhaps that was smart on their part i don't know um but it, it would have to be grad transfers right right now that could be immediately eligible i don't know that now the ncaa is kind of giving out hardship waivers for everybody now and you could i guess make a pretty strong case that your, your program getting shut down for COVID, even for one year is a, is a good excuse for a hardship waiver so um I, I guess if it comes to that yeah i would expect to see some transfers I don't know that it would be – I mean, if Tate Martell got immediate eligibility, then yeah. my, my conference canceled football yeah. <laughs> should get immediate eligibility. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a very – I mean, if we're just thinking about Ohio State because that's what our listeners care about, and, again, we're not going to play with people's lives. You know, if you're, if you're an underclassman that, that you have – you can't go to the NFL yet. You're an underclassman. Someone like Garrett Wilson. I mean, would Garrett Wilson – go play year two somewhere else when he would have year three still back at Ohio State. Like, I, my expectation wouldn't necessarily be that. I mean, if you're, a, if you're an older guy who's probably headed to the NFL, you probably just start training for the NFL. I don't think Ohio State's best pros, prospects, best draft prospects would necessarily be looking to transfer. But maybe if you're an older guy who thinks you're, you're probably maybe never going to play football again, but you could go play for somebody else but you're going to maybe not have eligibility. I mean, it's, it's very complicated. Some of this stuff we, we don't need to get into too much while we're still in the what-if stage because I think everybody assumes you're, you're going to retain your eligibility if there's not a season. So if you want to come back, if you're, if you're a fifth-year senior, right? say you're Jonathan Cooper and you're a fifth-year senior and you want to play football one more time, he could go play at another school maybe and transfer if the Big Ten doesn't play, or he could come back and play at Ohio State next year because they would retain his eligibility. But then that's the question of, is there a scholarship spot? 
which is not the same as eligibility, which we have touched on before, and we won't go down that rabbit hole until the Big Ten cancels. I think that almost is the – that's my number one question if they cancel. So I, 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 what does it do to scholarship numbers yeah. in 2021? Um, but from a tra- maybe I got Davon Hamilton is not here anymore, so he's a guy uses as an example. He used his fifth year senior year to kind of catapult his NFL draft stock. Right. So what if that guy is on a roster somewhere where you know you put him in the right situation and he might be able to catapult him because he's in his last year of the program? That's the guy kind of guy I'm thinking about when you're talking about Ohio State. I'm not going to put a name on it, but somebody in that position who one season can change where he gets drafted or even gets drafted at all. That and I, might be the guy who transfers. And I'm sure Ohio State would, would, would do their best to help that guy, would yeah. help that guy find a landing spot. You want to play. You don't want to have to stay in college another year. Frankly, we're not so sure we have a scholarship spot for you next year anyway. We'll help you go find somewhere, just like they do with some of these guys when, when it's, it's clear they're not going to play here. So I think mm-hmm. – Again, that's a lot of theoretical stuff. Let's not spend too much time on it. Another thing I want to say real quick, though, if, if the Big Ten were to cancel football today, none of these other conferences can say for sure they're going to have football this fall. Oh, no, that's so, why it's only hypothetical. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. if there's no football, then it's not a question. But I'm just saying that, like, that makes it tougher for someone to, to go into the transfer portal or maybe nowhere to go. Yeah, so we'll change topics. Agreed. It's very complicated, but uh, agreed. I mean, I'm not saying – I don't think we're talking about whether they be in the transfer portal tomorrow. We're saying – if there's a season, would they play somewhere else that has a season if their season starts? Gotcha. So uh, from the 615, I brought this up in a, in a question. I want to get into it a little bit. Topic for the podcast for the younger crowd. Why did they veto the trip in 1961? The reference here, as I mentioned this, I was studying this a little bit. And I know about it, but I was double checking some stuff. 1961, Ohio State goes 8-0-1. They win the Big Ten. They earn a Rose Bowl berth. And the faculty that at – Ohio State votes 28-25 to turn down the Rose Bowl berth. Woody Hayes is driving from Columbus to Cleveland in late November for an alumni banquet, finds out in the car, gets to Cleveland, is ticked off, goes for a walk, tries to get out some of the energy, and then says that he does not want this to divide the university. He does not want this to be a lasting, lingering negative effect. He's mad. He's mad as heck because this faculty group just turned down the Rose Bowl basically because they claimed that it would interf- interfere with the class schedule. They thought the university in general was leaning too much toward football. There was perhaps some animosity among the faculty toward Woody Hayes himself. And Woody Hayes was quoted, quoted in the Cleveland Plain Dealer as saying, I would not want football to drive a line of cleavage in our university. Football is not worth that. So Woody tried to take the high road. I mean, it boggled. It, you can't even, in the modern day, wrap your head around this idea at all. But the reason that I was, was, was looking at it, so it, it showed where Ohio State was at that time, how different college football was at that time, but it showed a very similar push and pull within a major state university between academics and football. And there is, are complications and a pandemic and, health, and real health and safety issues involved now but there is a push and pull between football and the other goals and and duties of a university that are similarly at play right now the big 10 university presidents are feeling this push and pull as they decide on a potentially historic vote so that's why i was thinking about this 
So that's the mini history lesson of why the Ohio State faculty turned down a Rose Bowl bid in 1961, and it went to the University of Minnesota instead. I think, and we'll get into Christina Johnson's vote, which is a story that we broke on our tech subscription on Monday afternoon. Nathan, believing that a vote will take place at some point, the Big Ten pushed back, and we'll get into, the, the again, the timeline of all the different reports. The Big Ten claims right now on Monday evening there has not been a presidential vote yet. I believe at some point there probably will be. They're going to have to decide this. Does it feel historic to you? Does this feel – that was 1961. That's almost 59 years ago. Is this vote that the Big Ten presidents may undertake in the next day or two or a week or so potentially something we'll be talking about 60 years from now? Well, I think so because, I mean, that vote 59 years ago affected one team, I guess two. I mean, it didn't have a, a, a ripple effect through the entire conference the same way that, that this one will. And like I was saying before, I, I'm, I'm curious to find out where, where the – is this league – more unified in its thought than it seems to be right now, or are there real rifts within the league? And does this change the way the big 10 operates? And does it, and are there, are there some real uh, clashes here that may not be so easily mended um, when you start talking about what these athletic departments and these universities are going to lose in terms of revenue? Again, I still feel like at the end of the day, I'm still very skeptical about playing football this fall. But I'm I, I it, so right now I think the next vote that might come would either be from the ADs on Tuesday that's reported out there the ADs are meeting and Wednesday if if the presidents meet or whenever they next meet that there's some decision to more formally pump the brakes on what's going on right now pushing the season start back or or delaying things somewhat the postponement that we talked about that Christina M Johnson might be in favor of voting for as opposed to just canceling outright but they get but my point is there's a cancellation vote at some point there has to be eventually eventually there has to be and that's, that's why the I vote explained. that matters that's the and vote someone, that matters right and someone you know someone I, I had this exchange on twitter night with someone who was all of a sudden was like all right Christina M Johnson I'm like well hold on a second she may eventually vote to end your football season but but, but I, right now Okay, we're gonna. I want to get Stephen on this, and then we want to take a quick break, and then I want to dive in on exactly that because there's okay. a lot of Christina dis- Johnson discussion that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Stephen, okay. do you feel historic? And just, I would like to note, if this comes up 60 years from now, I'll be dead. Nathan will be dead. Stephen, you've got to write all this stuff down and speak on behalf of the Buckeye Talk podcast. Maybe they'll have a clip of this and play this and. Everyone will shed a tear, and it's like, oh, yeah. Back in my day when we were discussing. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a good old – so you have your old man voice all ready yeah. to go. Yeah. There was this guy in pink headphones who always – yeah. So, But, Stephen, you get to create the history because yeah. you'll, be, you'll be the only yeah, one left right here. to tell yeah, the this tale. Is, this and, is historic regardless of whichever way this the vote goes because regardless of what happens here, things are going to have to change for a lot of different reasons. But yeah, this is an historic moment that 40, 50 years from now, we're going to look back on. And when things are operating, the way, whatever way they're operating, we're going to be able to look back on 2020 for a large amount of reasons. But it starts with because they voted this way, whether it's to cancel the season or to play a 10-game schedule. I mean, again, they, they have not canceled a season in no. 100 years. And if they play through a pandemic, that's a story too. Mm-hmm. that they tried to play. 
whether they succeed or whether they fail, trying to play through a pandemic and how they did succeed or fail is a big reason as well. Let's come back. Let's take a quick break. We're trying to keep it tight. We're going to dive in real quickly at Nathan's suggestion into some chain restaurant voting results so we can cleanse our, our palate a little bit because it's been be, really uh, it's a serious time, a serious day. So we'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. All right, back. Let's talk about the new university president, Christina M. Johnson. Great job today by you guys. Breaking, breaking the Johnson vote story was huge. So what happened is we had this story up first. We had it out to the tech subscribers first that there was a report Monday morning from two sources, from Dan Patrick and from the Detroit Free Press, that there had been a vote among university presidents on Sunday night, and that vote was 12 to 2 to cancel Big Ten football for the fall, and the two universities that wanted to play were Nebraska and Iowa. So clearly that's news to Ohio State fans. Incoming President Christina Johnson was not part of the Saturday meeting. She was briefed. She was not part of it. She was part of the emergency Sunday meeting. But as Nathan and I have discussed, it's not just about her vote. It's about the influence that Ohio State should have in the room, and certainly through no fault of her own. She doesn't actually take office until August 24th. We question Ohio State's opportunity to throw its weight around when you have somebody who's never been in that room before or on that Zoom call. So that, to me, was the overriding theme of the day on Monday, especially given the fact that Ohio State players and coaches were going absolutely bazonkers on social media. I couldn't believe it. At some point, and I think I'll have to double check, this actually happened. It, it was at least up for at one point. Somebody tweeted that the Ohio State captains should sue Christina Johnson for voting yeah. to cancel the season. And Kevin Wilson, assistant offensive coordinator, retweeted it. Taraja Mitchell and Travion Henderson and Brian Hartline were joking on Twitter about playing in the SEC. And, like, the Clay Travis website, like, wrote a story about it. Will the, uh, will the Big Ten head to the SEC? Here are three Twitter jokes. Journalism. So that's what we were dealing with all day. And my question was, what is happening? We had proof. At the moment, we thought we had proof. We had a vote by the president of Ohio State that says cancel. We had every player and coach associated with the football program saying, let us play. That is conflict within the university. That's the conflict that our listeners, that you listening right now, care about the most. I thought that was going to be an issue. And I was talking to people at Ohio State. They weren't talking to me. I was telling them, this is an issue. If there's something that we should know as we report on this, tell us now. Because if there's nuance, if this is not correct, we need to know this because this is a bubbling. And it's your players and coaches who are stoking the fire. So finally, eventually, somebody from Ohio State talks to us and they say, there has not been a vote. There was not a vote Sunday. There is not a vote planned for Monday among the presidents. And if and when there is a vote, Christina M. Johnson will vote against cancellation, which is huge news because now she's in lockstep with her coaches and players. I thought that was a super important story. Nathan, you make the right point. It doesn't mean it's going to save the season. But there are issues here beyond the season. There's what's going to linger from this. Are there going to be hard feelings? Are there going to be fractures either in relationships within a university or relationships between universities in the Big Ten. 
I'm looking for potential fracture lines. And I thought maybe we had one at Ohio State. And it turns out for now, no, we don't. And now it feels like to me, if Christina Johnson in a day and two days and five days and a week and 10 days does vote for cancellation, that will be a very different vote than now because she tried to listen to her players and coaches. She said, let's postpone, not cancel. Let's not rush this. Let's think. I don't think the main thing that happened Monday was people saying, no way can we cancel. That's the message. But really what they're reacting to is, why are we canceling already? Why are we in a rush to cancel? The MAC canceled two days ago. Why is that influencing us? You just put out the schedule Wednesday. Why are we canceling? If they cancel a week from now, I think everybody will believe that the presidents did more thought, listened to more people, and it will be a different vibe. So, Nathan, that in the end this came out, that Christina Johnson does not want to cancel right now, how big a deal was that? Do you think for the Big Ten and maybe for the overall final decision, but also for Ohio State itself and how it moves forward after this, regardless of what the final decision is? Well, I think it's big because I think I'm starting to think that maybe the procedure here, as far as the Big Ten is going to be more important than whatever the Big Ten ultimately decides. But I also think that in this situation, listen to these Ohio State football players and coaches. And I know that right now there's a lot of, they all want to play. Why aren't we listening to them that want to play? If, if they get into September or October and there's dozens of positive tests all over the place, whether it's at Ohio State or not, but if, if players are testing positive all over the place and people have to be quarantined and hospitalized and you just can't play games, I think at that point the players and coaches would say, hey, dang, you know, we gave it a shot, but this just, this just can't work. You know, too bad. It's, it's a rough year. But I think, and, and I think they'd be disappointed. But to do it now, that's where the anger was coming in. There was palpable anger from the players, from the coaches, from their parents, from obviously from fans. But I mean, the people who were directly involved. And I think it was important that it, I think part of that anger was the sense from what they were reading that the administration wasn't listening to them or, or had this 180 degree perspective on what was happening. And I think it was, it's ultimately going to be important for Ohio state that it seems to, again, have more of a unified voice. There's more of a unified thought, you know, Ryan day also had, had said in, in some interviews that, um, that Ohio state wasn't going to be voting. And I, again, I think it, I, I, when I read Ryan, when I heard Ryan day, I was thinking about things that you have said on this podcast about how you, you, you know, nobody can say yes to football right now, but if you say no, you're done. And there's no quite a reason. We don't understand the reason to say no right now. And I think that's what Ohio state was trying to say. I think part of the anger is also because they don't have a seat at that table. So they just spent six months putting in all this work, going through all these hoops and hurdles to get to this point. And when the decision is made, it's not in their favor, and no one was able to have a voice for them on those Zoom calls. I think that's where the anger is from. So they did have a voice then today. Stephen, do you think it, – it feels like we've been pulled back from the edge momentarily. We don't know what yeah. the next 24 hours holds, but I think there were a lot of people who thought by 9 o'clock Monday night, as we're talking right now, that the season was already going to be canceled or that they were going to be full speed ahead to a Tuesday morning cancellation. Nathan, do you believe what the players and coaches said on Monday had an effect on maybe this being pulled back from the edge for the moment? Or, or do you think the presidents are still kind of operating independently? I think that's a great question um, because there hasn't been a lot of transparency, especially from the presidential circle. You know, we've heard little bits and pieces from ADs. We've obviously heard from coaches, but that kind of upper echelon academic 
administration level, presidential level, I don't feel like we've heard a lot from them, especially here at Ohio State, because there isn't one. And, and Christine M. Johnson hasn't really been on the record about anything that much yet at Ohio State. She doesn't officially start for another couple of weeks. So I, I don't have a great read, actually, on, on whether this the things that were said today influenced what was already in play. But it seemed like, at the very least, it was there, that, that, the, that those pleas were kind of working their way up through the right channels. That, you know, ADs could then go to their presidents and say, our coaches are just asking why now? Like, why can't we wait? Why can't we pause? Like, why we, we, we did this for a reason. Why can't we take a breath and look at this even two days from now, let alone two weeks from now, and, and make this decision rather than do it today out of fear and, and have it seem to be um, have it seem to be just premature and rushed? I do think – it would have been – it's maybe not the wrong decision. I'm going to keep – it very well – Exactly. No, right, right, right. Canceling the season in the end is the right decision. I think this would have been the wrong process to get to that decision. Mm-hmm. I think the pushback today made a difference. Steven, do, do you think the pushback today made a difference? I think so. I think either tonight or tomorrow morning we'd be getting some official decision had today not happened the way it happened. And start, literally starting at 1230 in the morning – I think it made a difference in the sense of it pushed back when the official decision is going to be made because there's a there is a reaction and now you have to react to that. You have to honor that. That there was enough players, not just in the Big Ten, but when you have recruits getting involved and players from conferences who haven't canceled anything or even had news of anything being canceled get also getting involved in this, then yeah, you do have to kind of halt the brakes a little bit and even even if you do still end up maybe putting an announcement out on Thursday, but you can't do it immediately after that. I think today made a difference in the sense of when they decide to make any type of decision. Some more good tech work. Obviously a lot of the questions we got are of a similar nature from the nine, five, four. What will you guys do if a season is canceled? I'm really worried about Doug. Who will he talk to and about what? Oh, his poor family. <laughs> who will he talk to? When Has anyone ever been worried about who will he talk yeah. to? You'll find someone. Myself. Just give me a microphone. You don't have to even plug it into anything. Uh, from you were, the, if, you had been, if you had been Castaway, if you had been Tom Hanks and Castaway, that ball would have deflated itself. <laughs> the ball throws itself into the ocean to get away from me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I'm out. I'm just going to go. <laughs> it's, yeah, that would have been the ball would have walked up the cliff. <laughs> And tied and tried to tie itself to the tree. He's like, well, sad. He's like, what? What do you want now? <laughs> Stop calling my name. Welcome back to the deserted island. <laughs> Chet, Chet, whatever his name is, along with Wilson, the volleyball, talking today about these ice skates and how sharp they are. From the 701, it's not new that elites in managerial class are completely disconnected from the wants and needs of the working class people. I mean, this we talked a lot about union stuff in the last podcast. There, there's just an interesting uh, push here, an interesting dichotomy in how people view it. Um, we're not going to get as much into that today, but that is a push here. I do think, and people on Twitter are reminding everybody about this, if you like the players while they are very being very vocal about let us play and you are saying listen to them, then I think you also have to listen to them about all the other stuff. It's not a cohesive thought process to say, listen to them when they say they want to play, but don't listen to them when they say they want safety protocols and health coverage and a seat at the table and, a, and they want to be treated and paid and that kind of thing. 
But I will say also, conversely, if you are a person who is on the side of player rights, and you have always thought players should advocate for themselves, players should have a seat at the table, players should be paid, players should have more protections, then I also think you have to listen to the they want to play. Because I do think there are some people who are so pro-player, they view the idea of players wanting to play now as actually contradictory to their best interests. And some of those people would say, well, most of the time I agree with what they're fighting for, but now they actually don't know what's best for them. What's best for them is not playing because they they don't have a bargaining unit. They aren't fairly represented. They aren't paid. So they shouldn't play. And I think that's basically just as bad as the other thing. Because you either care what they think or you don't care what they think. So if you care what they think, then I think you have to care about all of it on either side. Do you guys, I mean, is that just common sense or, or is there a place where you could splice that a little bit? Well, there's also some nuance here too, because the players are saying, you know, let us play. We want to play, but really it's more, we want a chance to play. Cause like I said before, if they get they're they're not stupid. If they get into a season and, and this thing is just a mess with tests and, and guys out and hospitalizations or not even to that extent, but just mass quarantines, they're, they're not going to fight that. They're going to say, obviously this can't happen. I think what they're saying right now is don't take away this chance to play under these guidelines that we've agreed to. We've been doing this for months. We've been going mm-hmm. through all of your, your COVID-19 related stuff for months and months and months. We've been following the letter of the law. We signed these documents against what people think is our best interest. We've, we've done all these other things. Don't let it be for nothing before we even get started. And that's the thing. It's, they're not two-year-olds throwing tantrums. They're coming. Yes, we want to play. We understand that there's a risk, but we also feel like we're safer in this environment than just out in the general public with the world. They're coming with actual reason, a legitimate reason why they would want to actually try this. It's not just, I want to play just because I want to play. And, and also then my other caveat to that is players and coaches aren't in charge. The presidents are in charge. Yeah. And, and well, so and- players and coaches, I mean, if you say – the players and coaches should decide. I, that's actually not true either because the presidents yeah. ultimately are responsible for the entire university. And until but they should we have get, a voice in the decision. For they, sure. They should you, be listened you to. You at least consider them when you're making the – whoever is in charge has to consider them when they're making the decision. Which, is, yes, what, which is what we just said. Yeah. But then my, what I'm saying is they don't – it's not their decision though. They absolutely yeah. should have a voice. Coaches already have a voice. Players should absolutely have a voice. But in the end, if after listening to them and meeting with them, and there are videos out there now, the Wake Forest president met with the football team. The Tennessee president met with the football team. If you take steps like that and you hear them and you sit down with your coaches and you go through the pros and cons, it's still the president's decision. So I do think th- then it doesn't mean you can't be mad, but I don't think we can pretend that Ryan Day should decide if they have a football season. That's not Ryan Day's job, and it's not Justin Fields' job. Your opinion matters, but it's not your decision. That's a distinction that I think is important. It's also a pandemic, and th- that's part of this situation too. Someone that I have a lot of respect for tonight said to me that you know if this was a, a, a virus that was actually maybe even more deadly but less communicable – I guess for perhaps like CTE, I guess you would argue, then I think it changes the, the, 
the the math here a little bit, but that we're also still talking about a communicable disease. That's a big part of this. And and we're talking about and and there's an ESPN story uh, SI had written about it the other day. Findings, recent findings about the potential uh, ill effects on the heart, even for young people from COVID nineteen. Studies coming out on that. There are reports that that had a lot of impact on presidents. And if you're asking what changed since the schedule release on Wednesday, that actually, by the reporting, might be one of the things that changed. And so mm-hmm. that matters. I mean, of course that deserves. But, but if, the, if the idea is, wow, there's a really dangerous and scary report about heart problems from COVID-19, let's cancel in 10 minutes, then, then I think that's wrong. If you take that into consideration and talk to the players and talk to the coaches and talk to more medical doctors, right? You just got to do your due diligence. And I think they didn't. We've, we've covered that before. I want to get to this. 513. Who are Dan Patrick's sources on the 12 2 vote that didn't happen? Okay, so this was Monday morning. Dan Patrick on his radio show reports it. And then the Detroit Free Press reports it. My daughter, who is 16, said to me tonight, So what happened with all the reports this morning that turned out to be? not true at all. And I was like, I don't know. But I mean, those are, I mean, it's not some random place that nobody ever heard of before. I don't, I mean, this is kind of how it works. We, Dan Patrick. We didn't report things. We didn't do, we didn't report immediately. Like we kind of waited for those reports to stack up a little bit before we published anything. So what do you, and, and I'm okay doing this. Um, I'm not trying to place blame, but I thought, and and I'll explain this in the moment. To me, and I said this to our tech subscribers, we discussed this before the first story we put up. I thought there was, I thought the free press initially sort of reported it that the season's canceled. And I thought there was a great distinction between the Big Ten season is canceled and the presidents voted to cancel the season. Because to me, it's not canceled until the Big Ten officially says it's canceled. This is not a jury. This is not – I don't even know what the, by, what the bylaws are, but my understanding, it's not like, okay, it's time for the secret vote. Now, whatever the vote is, that's it. That's the decision. It's over. We can't go back on it. It's just part of the process. So until Kevin Warren puts out the statement that says the season is canceled, it's not canceled. So actually, I think there has been some change in the characterization of some things over the days, but – if you dispute, there's a difference between disputing. I think it's very possible, and this is only a guess and speculation by me, that there was a discussion. Maybe in the Sunday meeting, there was something like, "Well, where is everybody right now?" And the and the where is yeah. where is everybody right now was twelve to two, but it wasn't a vote. It was a where are you right now? But it it's wasn't like oh, we okay, yeah, right. And I could and this again all speculation, but I'm just trying to think what happened. If I'm Christina Johnson and I wasn't even in the Saturday meeting and everybody's saying this stuff and it's like, well, if I had to vote right now, I guess I'd say no, but it's not a vote. You don't know it's a vote. You don't know it's going to be characterized as a vote. It's just in the moment. And it's like, well, what changed? Well, now you have to vote. Now it's like, that's it. Now, so now she says, the, the source tells us that she would say, if I had to vote, I'd say, keep it going. So I don't know that it's necessarily changing your mind. It's like the deadline of the negotiation that now you're up against it. Now what do you say? And it might only be that one person could be the same source for Dan Patrick and the free press mischaracterized it or misheard it or didn't quite 
and that there was just a little bit of a miscommunication. But I, from the get-go, thought a great distinction between just because they voted that way doesn't mean it's over because the Big Ten hasn't made it official. I thought there was some confusion in the context of some of these things that probably led to this. Like if you, but, but also let's remember if you had taken a vote last Thursday of people and said, do you think it's safe to play big 10 football right now? You know who would have voted? No, Ryan day. Cause he told us, I don't, I'm not yet. I don't think it's safe to play football games yet. So again, I think context is important because Ryan day at that same time was saying not yet but we don't have to play football games yet. We're just doing camp. There's a process to all this. Let's get through this process. So I, I, I am going to be, I am curious in the long run, are we going to find out someday somebody's going to write a, a nice behind the scenes piece. I hope it probably won't be me, but I look forward to reading it about all of the, the stuff that happened, the machinations behind the scenes of all this and what actually was taking place at certain junctures of this, because it, it is kind of fascinating to me right now, what was corrupted in these messages because clearly some wires were crossed. I think there probably was kernels of truth in what Dan Patrick and the Free Press reported this morning. I know those guys at the Free Press pretty well. The, the sports editor, Chris uh, Thomas and, and Chris Solari and the other guys there, like those are good journalists. So uh, I think there were kernels of truth there. But obviously, I think maybe some of the context might have been jumbled from the sources that they were getting. And maybe, means- maybe we'll find out the same thing about ours in the long run. I don't know. But yeah, I think I, we're pretty good. I just think every time the higher ups have met, they've done exactly they've- – concluded their meeting with, okay, if we were having to make a decision today, what would everybody's vote be? And that's what was relayed, and it was taken as, okay, this is the final vote. But it, that's not what it was. It's just you met, you had a discussion about it, and then they basically gave feedback on where they felt at that moment. And just to get a little inside journalism on this stuff, sometimes and this happens a lot, and, and it's the journal, a lot of journalists earn it, right? You earn trust, you build relationships, you prove uh, that you're on top of things. And you get fed something 10 minutes before it becomes public. So it's someone says, someone reports at 8.50, the Big Ten is canceling the season. And it's like, oh, my God, what a scoop. And at 9 o'clock, the Big Ten announces it. And it's like, okay, well, they just fed you the press release 10 minutes early. Mm -hmm. I mean, good job. They didn't feed it to me. But it's not exactly Woodward and Bernstein, okay? So let's not go slobbering all over ourselves too much. You didn't uncover something they didn't want you to know about. They just fed it to you early, which is fine, which is how, like, I mean, that's what, that's what, like, 85% of supposed scoops are anymore. Somebody who wants the information out there feeding it to you early. I mean, it's not reporting. It's being handed something. And I'm not saying, I mean, that's, that's the way it works. So I thought this morning on Monday morning, why let's not go too hard with ours because if it's true, in 10 minutes, we're going to get the news release. It's 12 hours. There's no news release. We had planned for this. We had other stories ready to yeah. post, and we didn't. Because it wasn't – we weren't going to re- – we had the yeah. news story that, the, that according to Dan Patrick, we and reported on the free press, reported yeah. on the reports, but we held back on going all the way because – that next step, you, I think you need the official confirmation. And I thought it might be coming that the free press was just getting the jump by 15 minutes, and then it turns out that wasn't the case. And I am not criticizing the free press. I understand how this works. I just think we all have to be responsible for context. And I'm just trying to explain to you guys listening how, how almost like inf- the information can be correct, but the context can be a little off, and it actually changes the story substantially enough to like make it seem kind of wrong 
when it's actually only a little bit tweaked, but it, it could be the tweak that makes all the difference. Recruiting question double up, doubled up on this. We'll start with you on it, Stephen. First from the 941, and this is a point that I didn't get into in the 1961 discussion earlier, but in reading up on it, it's true. It took a few years to recover from that 1961 vote. The same thing could happen to the Big Ten this year if they vote not to play. The SEC and ACC and others would use the vote against Ohio State and Penn State and any other Big Ten schools in recruiting. People would tell you that that vote in 1961 hurt Ohio State recruiting. Everybody knows Woody was kind of on a downward slope and was maybe on the edge of losing his job. And then the Supersofts class, the 1967 recruiting class, came in and changed the course of Ohio State history, winning the national championship of sophomores in 1968. But what he did bringing in those guys, he brought them in because he needed to bring them in maybe to save his job. And the reason he maybe needed to save his job because of, is because of what happened in 1961. So from the 513, if they cancel, how does it affect recruiting in the near term? So again, let's imagine this world. There's three worlds still that could happen which is all the Power Five play, none of the Power Five play, or the Big Ten cancels and some of the other Power Five play. And that clearly, the last one is the most complicated. Mm -hmm. But let's live in that world for these questions. Steven, if Ohio State and the Big Ten don't play, Ohio State doesn't play an independent schedule or join a different conference, Ohio State doesn't play this, this fall, but their competitors at the top of the recruiting world do play. What's the fallout? The fallout is there's probably a five-star kid who notices that, you know, whether, whether a school ever says it or not, it's a, hey, we would never do that to you here. We would never cancel your season. We would never lead you astray like that. And they would never – obviously, they would never word it like that, but it would be hinted at that we would never put you through six months of, you know, pulling at you for maybe there's going to be a season and then yank it from you right before it's about to happen. And that's what the fallout is. But other than that, I don't know if there's an immediate fallout because for these 2021 guys, you just reset it in the next year. They're still going to be freshmen. Some of these guys are still going to come in January and early enroll and be a part of things. So I don't know how much it changes if it's just a one-year thing. I don't know if there's an immediate impact there. I don't think there – I definitely don't think there would be a rush. This 21 class seems pretty tight. Yeah. Seem into it. I don't think – Trevion Henderson or Kyle McCord or Jaden Ballard or Marvin Harrison Jr. or anybody else would now think, well, Ohio, the Big Ten didn't play. I'm going to go to Alabama. That, that their plans seem, haven't changed. Nothing's changing. It None doesn't those, affect them. Like they have a Tony Grimes situation where somebody is, you know, not just early, enrolling early, but just reclassing. All of those yeah. guys. I mean, so it's, nothing's changing for them. It, so I don't know why it would affect their recruiting that much in 2021. Maybe 2022 going forward just because those kids are still young and they're still building these relationships. But in 2021, I just think everything continues as normal. I think that makes sense. I mean, all that would change is your impression of the school changes. Wow. That's a little different than what I thought. Wow. That, whatever you would say, uh, they don't value football enough. Or I don't know what you would say, but I will say this. It's the kind of thing in the future down the road. And I do, I do think the point about 1961, it's like, man, if that hurt the football program because Ohio state was trying to sort of, rain in football and the result is you hurt football well I guess you reined it in a little bit because you didn't win the national title in that time in between like so but that's one school and not just a whole conference too I think that's part of it yeah but if you're the if you're the lead team in the conference yeah. that decided not to play so 
Um, I mean, again, we're talking about the effect of the, that the Big Ten would have on Ohio State, but I do think there are some people who might like it is the main thing I want to say. Just like with all this stuff, Ohio State, I mean, if, you, if it comes up in recruiting, wow, the Big Ten didn't even play. Why should we come there? It's like, listen, we just care so much about our players. We couldn't mm-hmm. risk it. Every, you know, you got to spin. Whatever it is, you got to spin. And there's some families that might be more receptive to, no, we want to go to the conference that did play. But there also might be some families that are receptive to, you know what, we respect, we respect the conference that did not play. So um, if you're trying, and I understand people asking about recruiting, we don't have a definitive answer on it. But I, I would not fear that there's going to be a recruiting drop-off like there may have been after 1961 that lasts for half a decade. I, I do not think that that is a, a danger at all over a cancellation and a pandemic in a very difficult time under very trying circumstances. Especially in a time where we don't know when this dead period is going to end. So it's not like Alabama can get kids on campus to come to games. Right. So. 740, no question, but I wanted to say this is exactly why I pay for the text. Updates and thoughts have been great. Thank you from the 740 for being part of it. From the 317, if the season is canceled, could Ohio State still practice? Or would draft guys immediately leave campus? That's Paul in Indy. Nathan, uh, um, uh, this is a very complicated thing to me because I sort of think, and this I think has come up with some of the opt-out guys, the discussion of if you opt-out from playing, should you be allowed to be around the program? Part of me is like, if you can't do it, then I think, I mean, doesn't that mean like get out? But I actually don't think that would be the situation. I think if there's not a football season, I would imagine that Ohio State would keep the Woody Hayes Athletic Center open. If there are are students on campus going to class in any kind of model, the Ohio State football players would remain on campus. They would go to class. They would live in their apartments. They would work out at the Woody. They would be socially distanced. They would wear masks. They would basically live in the world they've been living in since they returned for voluntary workouts, and everything would stay the same except for the Saturdays, I think, which also is part of it of like, well, then why aren't you playing? You're doing everything else because I don't think they would say, go lock yourself in your apartment. We're padlocking the Woody. You can't come in. That's not, that's not my impression at the moment, Nathan. Well, you got two different groups that this applies to. I think guys like, I mean, Sean Wade and Baron Browning just graduated this past weekend. Those are both guys who are going off to the NFL next year or trying to go off to the NFL next year. Would those guys go through another just semester of school that they've already signed up for, would they maybe back out of that and start fully training for the NFL? I don't know, maybe. But uh, for the, all the guys who are undergrads, I think you would just continue working out and and doing whatever you're allowed to do. And I, I agree. I don't think Ohio State would would you know um, would board up the Woody and, and not let anybody in. I think they still like they they still feel like this is still the most safe place for their athletes too that the structure that they've put together, the protocols they've put together is still the most safe place for these athletes. First of all, Randy Wade has already come out and said, if there's no season in the fall, Sean Wade's out of here. So if, if there's, he's not going to be up here go doing any of that. He's going to go back to Florida and he's going to start preparing for the draft. So That's what the draft guys do. I mean, that's what all the draft yeah. guys do. As soon as they're done, they get out and start working out. And I get it. But again, I think the other guys would, would probably be around. From the 614, a couple really good questions, sort of about some specifics about what happened on the call. The criteria that presidents are using, I don't have any good answers to that, but I love this third question that this person, the 614, asked. Your take on the least and most persuasive arguments you've seen on either side of the debate over the last 24 hours. And I will say again, to me, the argument is not cancel or play. 
The argument is cancel or don't cancel yet. Or cancel or don't decide yet. So I'm not really listening to the all-in play, play, play arguments. And we referenced like a Joel Klatt thing the other day. Part of it is talk people talking about there are, you know, depression issues. There are things like that that, that, that players need football. Taking them away might be as dangerous as keeping them in. You know, I'm not – I don't know if that's particularly persuasive to me. I mean, there, I don't think you can ignore uh, the physical potential danger of the virus that does exist. But my, my most persuasive thing at the moment is what's the rush on the decision? That's all. That's all. That's incredibly persuasive to me. Why are you – to, to me, the only reason that you're doing it now is that you're so afraid of it, and whether it's the heart issue or whatever it is, you, you are so fearful of the medical advice. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. You have such legitimate concerns about the medical advice. You do not want them to get to contact. Because I thought all along the contact and practice is going to be a line in the sand, and you don't even want them to get to that. This was Monday was practice four for Ohio State. That should have been the last day in pads, in shoulder pads and helmets. And practice five on Tuesday should be full contact, full pads. And it's not going to be because they're still in pullback mode. But that, to me, overall, is what's the rush. Steven, is there an argument on either side that is particularly persuasive to you right now of, of where things are and what the debate is here on Monday night? No, um, the only persuasive argument is just give it a chance. Anything else is an extreme, whether it's shutting it down right now or going, let's just go full throttle with it. Those are extremes without really thinking things through. The only viable thing is give it a chance and see what happens because that's why you have the schedule with these built-in situations where if you know you need to shut down, you can do that. I think if they, yeah, I think if they had medical um, data that had come in recently that made them think it was just so unsafe to play, then I think we would probably know that. Or I think at the very least, there wouldn't be so much contradiction within what's being reported within the league, because it does seem to be from school to school, you're getting a widely different range of what people think the threat is right now. So I I don't really think that that is the case. And I guess maybe the one thing that has changed in my thinking a little bit over the past week or even less than a week, three, four days is maybe I've been a little bit persuaded. I was probably one of those people who has been in the camp of the athletes need more representation, athletes need more voice. And then when the athletes started using their voice in unison or seemingly within the Ohio State program, and I don't know if it's not 100% of the people in this program, but it's such a significant portion of them are coming out and saying, you got to give us a chance to play. I think I started to maybe lean towards that means something. And um, I, I don't think it's the be all end all. I don't think at the end of the day, they get to make the decision, but it was influencing kind of my perspective a little bit on what's happening right now today, August 10th. I a hundred percent agree with that. I am much more in the, the give it a shot more because the players want to. And I've been and not on- everywhere. Not everywhere, because we just saw like last week, right? Syracuse didn't go out for its first day oh, of practice. Right, so right. it's not national. Mm-hmm. Not, there, there isn't this thing where 100% of football players no. nationally want to play football. That's not true. But at Ohio State, it seems to be or darn near near. But it, it seems to be more the ones who don't, you don't have to do this, but the majority of us still want to play. I mean, it, there's a lot of Iowa players saying play. There seem yeah. to be a lot of big-time Penn State players saying play, even though Micah Parsons has opted out. I mean, there's some Michigan guys leading the charge. It's easier. It's easier to just go with the, the majority want to play, and if you don't, then that's fine. You can be the guy who doesn't want to play. 
Yeah, it's that easier is to do it that way than to tell the majority no. So that, that Lawrence, is persuasive to me, for sure. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields don't have to play football this fall no. to be very, very, very high NFL draft picks and wealthy guys um, in about, you know, uh, eight months or whatever it is. But they're begging for the chance to play football right now. They're, they're pleading for the chance to play football right now. That, that, that has kind of resonated with me a little bit. And there have been – I got – there are a couple people – like, don't come at me on Twitter with like, oh, why don't you ever listen to the players? I- I'm listening to them. Are there are a couple like of knowing people on Twitter, not the texters. That's what I love. God, the texters. They're just vibing with the texters. Twitter, cram it. Twitter, call, ram it. Texters, love you. Twitter, cram it. Texters, love you. Buckeye talk. But don't come at me with like, oh, y'all love you. Listen to the player. I'm listening, baby. But most of the time I'm listening because like I feel like they need to be protected. And at the moment, the players are saying, don't overprotect us. A lot of them are saying, don't coddle us. Don't take something away because you think you're protecting us when actually it's something that we want to do. A couple more quick questions. We said we're going to try to keep this a little tighter. And we still owe people uh, votes on the uh, bracket about the food. My only question is why players and parents can't sign a waiver from the 513. And I think the quick answer on this is because they don't have a way to talk to each other because there's not a negotiating group for the players. I mean, the, the Ohio state players have signed a waiver and whenever they signed the waiver, we were like, man, don't make them sign a waiver. The, the thing at the moment is like making them sign a waiver versus everyone agreeing that they'll sign a waiver. And I just think it's the structure in place right now. The presidents don't believe that those waivers maybe would hold up in court. It's not a collective decision. Even if the players are saying it, the system is not up set up for collaboration right now. So I think that's why it's not as simple as sign a waiver and go ahead and play. And I think that we don't have to spend much more time on that. From the 210, best text day ever. Thanks. Thank you. From the 321, thank you for all your work. As always, the tech service and podcast are second to none. Second, I'd like to hear your thoughts on long-term ramifications for the Big Ten and Ohio State if the Big Ten doesn't play and the SEC does. I feel it will set back the Big Ten by five years or more. So we talked about that specifically from the recruiting standpoint. Steven, just overall, would this be something that would make the Big Ten lesser somehow in the eyes of fans, in the eyes of, I guess, just fans? I was going to say like the playoff committee, but I don't think that like the playoff committee would hold it against Ohio State in 2021. I guess it is fans and recruits. I mean, what else matters? Just the people who sort of decide what matters in college football, just that general aura. Would it be a, somehow a stain on the Big Ten to not play while the SEC and other conferences do this year? Yeah, but that would be insinuating that people view the Big Ten and the SEC as equal in the, in the first place, which they don't. I mean, the most of the top recruits still go to the SEC unless they're in their most of them are, if they're coming to the Big Ten, they're probably going to Ohio State with a few maybe sprinkled into Penn State and Michigan every now and then. But for the most part, if they're not going to Ohio State, they're probably not coming to a Big Ten school. So I don't to say it would set them back would mean it'd be equal and they weren't equal to begin with. So I don't know how much more you can be set back, especially from an Ohio State perspective. I don't necessarily think this is going to slow them in the recruiting set just because what is Alabama, like I said earlier, what is Alabama going to be able to do recruiting wise that Ohio state can't do right now? It's still going to be zoom calls. Nathan, do you think it sets them back? Even if it's just in perception? 
I think so. I, I don't know. I think to me it was the, the big um, kind of thing that I wanted to find out as far as Ohio State was, are they one of the schools that's leading the charge to potentially cancel or are they going along with canceling or are they against canceling? I think that's where the, the impact gets, gets changed a little bit. If, if Ohio State was one of the schools out there leading the charge to potentially cancel at this juncture, I think that's something to get used negatively against them. Um, in the, those other cases, though, if it's just a matter of they feel like they get backed into a corner by the science and there's no decision to make, or if they're against it but the Big Ten votes anyway, I don't think that hurts them as much. I will say I remember back in March when all this happened and Mike DeWine and the Ohio State government were kind of the first to act in canceling NCAA tournament games and people immediately were like, this is going to reflect poorly on reflect poorly on Ohio. I can't believe they're doing this. And I said, wait two hours. Mm-hmm. And by the, the next day, everything was, gone, was done and Ohio was a leader there. I do think this is different because more is known now. That was, a, that was an emergency. That was you've got you've to escape from the, the, what's happening. And you've got to shut it down. And I thought Ohio acted decisively in an uncertain time to shut it down. We're not in a much better spot, but we do know what we're up against, at least. We're doing a bad job, but we have a better sense. And we don't know everything. We sure know a heck of a lot more than we knew in March. So I don't necessarily think this time that if the Big Ten thinks it's going to be a leader and shut down, I don't know that everybody would follow in the way that everybody eventually followed Ohio, the way I absolutely expected them to. But I also don't know that it's a particularly persuasive argument to say, uh-huh, you were cautious and, and prioritized safety of 20-year-olds, you nerds. Like, I don't, is that like, I mean, is Alabama going to be walking around in, in T-shirts that say like. Shame on you for caring about your player's safety? Uh, you is know, that- <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, here we are. I think we all think right now they shouldn't cancel right now. So it might be like, well, if we care so much about safety, then cancel. We care about smart decision-making in the name of balancing safety and caution and opportunity and interest and money and all that stuff. But in the end, if they're thoughtful about it and they don't rush into it and the presidents in their hearts after talking to everybody and considering everything decide to cancel, I just don't think it's it's an aha moment that will drag that. or, Or if it is, it's like, well, it's the kind of like, well, okay, great. You know, like if somebody at Mississippi State is like making fun of you, it's like, okay. I mean, what do you, what do you want me to say? They weren't going to win. But I guess the, the flip side of that, though, is yeah, the flip side of that, though, is if you're the one university president that is, has come to that conclusion, you feel like there is absolutely no way to play football safely this fall already. You feel like now there, you can't be convinced of it. Aren't you feeling a lot of pressure from the rest of the Big Ten to, not make that decision yet because you can't really shut your program down without ramifications that ripple through the rest of the program. So I think that's also probably one of those things that's, that's gotta be talked through right now. I don't know if I agree with that though. I think a big 10 program, if it really felt like we can't do it, we can't do it. Old dominion just shut down whatever conference they're in conference USA and the kind of conference USA is going on. Mark Emmer said it. This is going to be institutional based. It's not going to be, you know, one overhead making a decision and old dominion proved that. It's all the reporting was that, all the reporting was that Northern Illinois really wanted to shut it down, and they eventually got the whole MAC to go with them. Uh, well, for whatever reason, I think the MAC was maybe reluctant to have Northern Illinois do that. Northern Illinois is kind of the Ohio State of the MAC, right? And I do think that was different. If Ohio State was leading the charge to shut down, and Rutgers and Northwestern were like, "No, then we must different. play," 
Then it's different. Yeah. But but when the teams that are bad at football want to shut it down and the teams that are good at football want to keep going, if Rutgers or Purdue or Northwestern or somebody like that said, you know what, we're out. We're just out. Like Rutgers, it's just like, you know what, we just we can't do it. Then I don't think that that necessarily has huge ripples for the entire Big Ten. I think they just go with 13. I think. Maybe. I, I think. So, um, all right. Quick break, back with chain restaurant results, trying to keep it a little light on a crazy day, right after this on Buckeye Talk. All right, back for the last couple minutes here. Scott in L.A., love that guy, wanted to get to him. Isn't it a bit of a false equivalence to conflate the MAC and the Mountain West decision with those currently confronting the Power Five? As much as public health prudence assuredly contributed to those respective decisions, the reality is that their conference members couldn't afford to operate in a conference-only scheduling environment. I feel that there is a level of holier-than-thou grandstanding affecting the decision-making process. Thank you, Scott in L.A., and I will tell you that my pseudonym on text is Scott in L.A., because I agree with that 100%. Anybody argue that there's a, there's a little bit of a holier-than-thou from the smaller conferences who might have legitimate, cautious, safety reasons to do it, but also, frankly, can't afford to do it, and now everyone's supposed to bow down to them as the safest, smartest people in the room? When you have less money, you can be more moral, stand on a moral high ground. I don't have that much money, and I'm the most <laughs> holier than thou guy I mean, you're going to find. Okay, okay, fine. And then Doug is the one outlier in that rule. I'm fine. like, I'm like, I have, I have nothing. It's like, ugh. I mean, I could have a Lamborghini. I just don't think their safety rating is high enough to protect my family. That's why I drive a Dodge Caravan. Uh, all right, last thing, the polls. We've only done, I'll tell you what, I was getting ready to this chain restaurant bracket, ready to get enrolling, and then right in the middle of the chain restaurant bracket, college football exploded. Again. So I've had to put this on hold a little bit. Only four, bracket, only four matchups are done. No, I have the seeds, not revealing the seeds, not revealing the brackets, just the individual games are out. Let's start with Buffalo Wild Wings versus Big Boy. Uh-oh. Steven, I'll start with you. What do you think the percentage breakdown was of that battle? Buffalo Wild Wings, Big Boy. I think, sadly, Buffalo Wild Wings probably won 70 to 30. Nathan. Yeah, I, w- I would guess it was a pretty much a landslide, mostly just on name recognition alone. Those are two bad restaurants, though. 84-16, Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. And I will say there, there is one that comes up. Ubiquity is part of being a chain restaurant. The more you're out there, of, it doesn't, it's not only quality. Because if it's only about quality, then we'd do mom-and-pop restaurants. The more, of them there, the more of you there are, the probably the better chances that someone's heard of you and that they might vote for you, but that's part of the whole point. So I'm not going to apologize for like the big, <coughs> excuse me, the bigger chain restaurants winning some of these. Matchup two is Ruby Tuesday versus Denny's. And someone pointed out, isn't Ruby Tuesday out of business? Many of them are out of business, but not all of them are out of business. There's one near my house. There's one near my house. It might be yeah. the same one. It's not. It's not. <laughs> no. It's not okay. that, so there's a couple in Columbus then. It's not that the whole chain's out of business. I think originally there might have been a couple years ago there were 800. And I think the beginning of this year there might have been 400. And I think they might have lost 150 of those 400. But there's still enough of them around that I don't feel bad at all about having Ruby Tuesday in this. Nathan. What's your breakdown? Do you think Denny's or Ruby Tuesday won, and by how much? I saw the results, and I was disappointed. I don't know if you want me to spoil it, but um, – Okay. Well, if Steven, did you see the results? I did not. Um, I, 
I hope Denny's one, but I think Ruby Tuesday's probably won 65 to 35. 52-48, Ruby Tuesday. You're both disappointed that Denny's Tur- lost? Tur- I love breakfast yeah. food. Yeah, I like breakfast food, so I just think that should always – and Ruby Tuesday's probably not the best – burger food in the world tell so. me like ruby tuesdays is the same it, this is my problem with the chain restaurants there's like 15 ruby tuesdays on this 32 team bracket yeah right yeah but there's only chain one denny's did you yeah. vote did you vote i we were told we weren't allowed to vote well you can vote uh do you have a tech subscription i do yeah then you can vote you don't get a vote as okay, nathan actually, and as steven vote. As, uh, we get a vote as <laughs> wait, we get a vote as six one four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be Nathan, a two one six number. Two, one, yeah, two one six. That's what we get a vote as. Nathan from West Lafayette, he gets a vote. Nathan Baird does not get a vote. All right, Outback State ha- Steakhouse, Outback Steakhouse versus Cheddar. Steven, what do you think the vote was? I've never heard of Cheddar, so I'm just going to assume the other people, other texters, haven't heard of it either. So I think Outback probably won ninety to ten. Nathan. Uh, I've actually never eaten it at Cheddar's too, but I might as well have because it's pretty much just Ruby Tuesday <laughs> slash Applebee's slash all these other places. So uh, That's what we're going to be I, doing I, if there's no season. Nathan Bear is just going to go on rants on I, Buckeye Tanks about what – I voted for Outback. Restaurants. Yeah, I voted for Outback because at least it has a a theme. It has something original about it, and, and you get good steaks there. 82-18, Outback wins. And there were some people mad that Cheddar's lost. But again, I've been to Cheddar's. There are not a million of them around. There's some of them around. I like Cheddar's, but they're, it's not as popular. Not as, people, not as many people know it. Everybody knows Outback. I will say it's possible, Nathan, I'm going to start muting you during this discussion. <laughs> if your main overall content is all these chain restaurants are the same. They're would, not all the same. But it would be like if we talked about football and I was like, well, who do you think's going to win the Ohio State-Penn State game? And you were like, well, that brown leather oblong thing that they play, they always use the same – it's like it's a football. That's what they use. It's a chain restaurant. It has burgers and chicken fingers and pasta. That's what a chain restaurant is. It's a terrible so analogy because the teams are completely different. They're yeah. very distinct. Now, but if you just said it's like Army and Navy playing each other, it's like, oh, they're the same. They're running the triple option. Then Yeah, but not – but we just can't we can't let our chain restaurant discussion bog down in they're all the same when that is practically in the but definition of a to, chain restaurant. But it is one of my criteria for which one I'm picking to win. That's true. All right, last one. One of the big boys. I think this is one of the big boys. Not big boy, but a big time chain restaurant. It's Red Lobster versus Chewies. Nathan, what do you think that vote was? I've never had Chewies, and I really don't even know that much about it. But Red Lobster has those little cheddar biscuits, and they got my vote. Steven? Yeah. Uh, Red Lobster is fake luxury food, so I think that probably won. <laughs> Red, Lobster, yeah. Red Lobster was like where my parents went for their anniversary every year in Danville, Illinois, because that was like the nicest restaurant in when you're Danville, broken, Illinois. When you're broke in college, Red Lobster is a great date night. Mother's Day. We go to Red Lobster like every Mother's Day. So, for the, my yeah. wife gets the, the feast or whatever. 6832 win for Red Lobster, and a lot of people upset. Chewy's is a Mexican restaurant. Actually, one of them just went in in Polaris. Um, there's one down in Easton in Columbus. Um, it's, a, it's a solid Mexican restaurant. Restaurant has like kind of funky decor, but there are people who have been to Chewy's really like it, and some of them were very upset at Lost to Red Lobster. So Red Lobster, Outback Steakhouse, Ruby Tuesday, and Buffalo Wild Wings all advance. The first four winners, we have not done any other voting. Uh, you know, we'll figure out if we're going to have a football or not before we do any more. But that's where we are. We couldn't get to every question. It's been a crazy day. Stay with us.
Try the texts. If you're listening to this and you want to know what's going to happen on Tuesday, sign up for the text. Send a text message to 614-350-3315 and just do the free trial until they decide if there's a season or not and then bail on it. It's fine. You can get our free info for a little bit. But people, as you, you, we had people attest. You heard them. People really enjoyed. They said the last couple of days some of the tech stuff has been some of the best texting they've gotten in a year and a half. So a good time to try it. Drop some reviews at Apple Podcasts. Of course, read cleveland.com slash OSU and stick with Buckeye Talk. Whenever an emergency Buckeye Talk is needed, we will drop one. This is your Tuesday morning podcast. We imagine it might be another busy Tuesday. So we are glad that you guys are hanging with us. We're kind of enjoying covering this, trying to figure out what's going to happen. And whatever does happen, um, we'll all hang out together, whether there are games or not. So for Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. Crazy, crazy Monday. But for now, Big Ten football marches on. I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.